Amen. Amen. Well, I want us to look at a very well-known passage, and rightly so, and that's in 1 Peter chapter 1, and particularly from verse number 6 through to verse number 9. Of course, you know this is right. Really, in the time that we have together, we can only take one little thought, and that's what we're going to seek to do as we look into this passage. It says here, Wherein greatly ye rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ and so on. And I want us to look at two things in particular. First of all, I want us to look at our trials. And then I want us to look, along with that, at our faith, the way our faith takes us through those trials. Because the truth is, if you're a believer, you're going through trials. Sometimes you'll be going through bigger ones, sometimes you'll be going through smaller ones, but here is the truth, my friend, you and I are going through trials at all times, and we find that. You see that here in this very passage, in verse number 6, wherein, talking about uh, those things that we are dealing with, wherein greatly uh, ye rejoice, though now, for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold Temptations. First of all, then, there is the season of our trials now. It's something that's a present reality. You don't need the minister to tell you about the difficulties you're facing. You could give me a whole lecture, probably for the rest of the night, each of you, on the things that you're facing. And I'm sure they are difficult. They are troubling. They are at times... They feel almost overwhelming. And my friend, you are not alone. Because we are told the troubles that afflict the just in number many be. In actual fact, when we were reading together in Psalm 66, and we look there at the way in which the psalmist is speaking, and of course you know that this psalm ends with things which are clearly speaking about the Lord Jesus and those things that he endured and those things that he went through. So the trials and the troubles that afflicted our Savior were great and many. But right now, there are troubles that you go through, but it's for a time. I know when you're going through them, it seems as if they'll never end. We all feel that way from time to time. It feels as if rather than getting less, they increase when you trust in the Lord. And the more faithful you seek to be to the Lord, it seems as if the greater the troubles become. As if they find friends and relatives, invite them along and give you a harder time simply because you're trying to be all that you should be for God. Well, here in verse 6 it says, Though now, for a season, you are going through trials. And yet, the present trials that we go through are profitable. Because just as surely as there was a benefit to the gold to go through the fires that they are tried with, and of course gold is here spoken of as perishable, I know normally we think of it as the thing that doesn't tarnish as a thing that pretty much anything else 
may go, but even once it goes through the fire, it's still there. But what it's saying is it's part of this passing world. And it, in order to be all that it can be and all that it should be, has to pass through severe trial and difficulty. And if it is made to do that in order to be the best that it can be, your faith is much more precious than that gold. Your trust in the living God is so much more valuable that the Lord will not leave it corrupted by unbelief, will not leave it filled with all sorts of debris and detritus which would take away from the luster and the glow of your faith being faithfully and powerfully demonstrated to be true and glorifying unto God. In verse number 9, it tells us that we are looking for the receiving of the end of our faith, even the salvation of our souls. And so what is being done for us is being done even with that great end in mind for the benefit of our eternal welfare. So when you go through those times of trial and when you're going through them and you and I maybe could sit down and share what we're going through and that would keep us so busy. But we know that the Lord has allowed those things into our lives for our good. To refine us. So that the preciousness of our faith as we will see in a moment or two is made all the more apparent because of the things that we are called upon to overcome through the grace of God, the trials that afflict us and other faithful believers. Old John Bunyan said, The Lord uses his flail of tribulation to separate the chaff from the wheat. In other words, he's no intention of damaging that which is precious to him by that flail. Though if you were the one being flailed and, you know, if a, if a corn of wheat could feel in the way that you and I feel when that flail comes down, it's not a pleasant thing. And God is separating the chaff from our life. Each life here has chaff within it. Your life and mine has that which, although it has been a part of us perhaps for many years, we need to be separated from to be all that we should be for Christ. And the Lord uses sometimes very strong, very tough, very difficult means by which to separate us from that which has been such a part of us, perhaps for so long. In fact, as we go through those trials, we are told that they are so beneficial that we are to rejoice and be exceeding glad. You remember in Matthew chapter 5, there in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus says, with regards to the sufferings particularly of persecution, he says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Who rejoices 
at being persecuted. Well, the Lord tells us to do so. It's not easy. And yet there is a sense in which that very thing puts us in company with God's noblest and most glorious servants of previous generations, the prophets, the martyrs, those who have stood for God in the most difficult and trying of times and circumstances. So our trials are for this time, for a present time, for now they're profitable, but they do pass. In the midst of all the difficulties that we go through, and sometimes it feels as if they'll never end, we know they are but for a season. Wherein greatly ye rejoice, though now for a season. It's just for a little time. I know it doesn't feel like that sometimes. I have to admit it doesn't feel like that often with me. But I know the word of God is true. And so even when we're going through those seasons, those times of difficulty, we know that there is a limit to them. And the one who loves us beyond all other loves keeps an eye upon them so that he knows our frame and he will deal with us just so far as will be for our good and no further. The word that's used there for a season, he uses the Lord Jesus when he says, come ye apart yourselves into a desert place and rest a while, and that word a while, or that phrase a while, is what we have here is for a season. And just, as, just in the same way as it's not good for us to have constant leisure, have you noticed how we're best when we're kept in suitable employment and doing something and even if we come to the end of our working life we usually find things men go into sheds and hopefully they're doing something useful in the sheds and ladies they always have things to do I mean they're never idle there are always things to be done and those things are actually beneficial for us that exercising of responsibility and duty in doing what is right and proper actually is both for our mental well-being and for everything else about us beneficial. It's useful. But sometimes for a little season we need a rest. But it wouldn't be for our good if all our time were spent in leisure. You see that with some people who have no good thing to do and really don't want any good thing to do and it destroys them especially if they have more than enough money to allow them to do nothing they actually become destroyed by their ease so we have little times where the difficulty now may seem particularly great so although we face trials and tribulations throughout our lives there are times when for a season we go through particularly pressing and difficult 
seasons or periods of time. And if you're in the midst of one of those times, let me tell you, my friend, they have an end. Just as the holidays usually finish only too quickly, you find that the trials, not too quickly, <laughs> usually can't finish quickly enough as far as we're concerned, but they do finish. They do come to an end. It's for a season, for a little time. So do not allow them to overwhelm you, even though it may be a very difficult time you go through. And these, this season of sorrow, or this season of trial is a season of sorrow. It talks here about the way in which it says that ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. And heaviness here is the idea of to affect with sadness or literally to throw into sorrow. That's what it's saying. You feel like somebody's picked you up. And there's a big pool of sorrow. And they've lodged you into it. That's how trials can feel. That you are in the midst of them and they surround you on every side. That's not an easy place to be. Yes, it's just for a time. But while that time continues, those sorrows can seem absolutely overwhelming. We read in Mark chapter 10, with regards to that rich young ruler, when the Lord tells him that he is to sell all that he has and follow him, and we're told that he was sad at that saying and went away grieved. And that's the word there for the heaviness. The grief that a person besotted with wealth will feel if they think they have to give up their wealth in order to walk with the Lord. For he had great possessions. It's the same word that's used when it talks about the disciples when the Lord had told them that one of them would betray him. And we're told that they began to be sorrowful. And to ask one to another, Lord, is it I? That sense that a true believer has, of course we know that the traitor put on a show and used the same words as the others, but he knew it was him. Faithful believers all were filled with a sorrow, a grief, a heaviness at the thought that they could betray their master and knowing their own corrupt hearts, knowing their own tendency to fail the Lord, they suspected, is it me? And that would grieve you if you thought you were going to be the one that betrayed the Lord. So these sorrows are real sorrows. They, they hurt. We're told, as I said in Psalm 34, that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. We're told by the Lord Jesus in John 16 that in this world ye shall have tribulation. 
but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And of course, in Acts 14, we're told we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And there, just in the previous epistle, the epistle to James, we have this. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Or I should say the epistle of James. So these sorrows, they're only for a time and they have a good purpose. But while you're going through them, boy, are they difficult. And if that's your situation at the moment, my friend, be aware that the Lord knows what he's doing. He loves you, he cares for you, and he will not allow more than is for your benefit to come your way. Your faith is what God is working upon through those trials and tribulations. That the trial, the testing of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, might be found unto praise and honour and glory. So we see there, first of all, the essential value of our faith. You know, sometimes the world and the unbeliever, they look, they look at you and they say, well, what good is faith, you know? The airy-fairy thing. No, our faith is great. And it is of great value. Because it enables us both, by God's grace, to be more than conquerors at this time and to overcome things that the world would be crushed under. God's people, by the Faith that God has given to them are enabled to do wondrous things. That knowing our God and trusting in him, we are more than conquerors through the one who loved us. And so there is an essential value to our faith. We know this, that the trying of our faith worketh Patience, and we have that there in James chapter 1 in the previous epistle there as James is writing and he says almost the same things knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience but let patience have her perfect work and so on let it bring to fruition the reason that those trials are given to you endure that you might enjoy the blessings and the benefits that God has in mind for you through those seasons of difficulty and of distress. So the first thing is the essential value of your faith. The aim of the trials or the temptations as they're described here, and it really just means they're there to try you to show the reality of your faith, that it's real. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said trials and tribulations are, a ve are very good for us in that they help us to know ourselves better than we knew ourselves before. Isn't that the truth? Sometimes it's not until we come out the other end of some season of difficulty or trial that we realize A, the reality and the value of our faith and the fact that God is able to keep us and to make us more than we had ever imagined we could be. Before we were 
taken through such times, we probably thought, you know, I don't know how other people go through it. I never could deal with that. And then you find the Lord takes you through something perhaps even more difficult and trying. And you, you, you realize it's only the Lord that enabled you to go through it. So your faith is a valuable thing. And though the world does not appreciate it, and though sometimes even those who may be near and dear to you do not appreciate it, remember Job's wife said to him, curse God and die through the midst of his trials, through the midst of his tribulation, rather than strengthening him, rather than being a help meet for him. She came along and sort of added to the trial and tribulation by saying, just end it all. Your faith is more valuable than the most precious things this world can give. And through those trials and tribulations, its value is seen all the more clearly. As Robert Murray McShane said, the dark hour makes Jesus bright. The trials we go through are used by God to make Christ and all that he is to us all the more glorious and appealing to our eyes. So faith is something that has an essential value. It is something of great value. Now, with regards to the tribulations we go through, the word that we have there for the uh, idea of tribulations that we endure, you know, when you read of tribulations in the scripture, it actually comes from a word which in Greek is to do with a, an old implement that was used in farming. I know nowadays they have really high-tech things and all sorts of uh, computerized stuff. But in those days they had more rustic and basic things and one of them was called a tribulum. And a tribulum had rollers on it, and in the rollers were embedded all sorts of things, so that when they would go over the wheat, they would bash it, and they would bruise in such a way that they would take off all the things that were not wanted. They would take the sheaves and the stones and the iron and the rough bits which had been put upon the rollers instead of wheels, they would roll over them and they would separate the one from the other. If you're going through a time of tribulation, you're under the tribulum. And sometimes it feels particularly difficult. As if you're being run down by this ancient implement that's battering you, one thing after another. The Lord is doing it because your faith is so precious that he will not leave your faith corrupted with anything that would take away from its inherent value. The farmer, when he took out the tribulum and used it over the grain, wasn't doing it to try and destroy the grain. He was only looking to cull out the precious grain from all the chaff and all the other things he didn't want. And your faith not only has an essential value, but it has an eternal value. And that's seen here. 
trying of your faith may be seen unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. In other words, it's not just that it will be for your benefit here and now as you go through those trials, but that when you shine on that last day, you will shine as one whose faith is a tried faith, whose love for Christ has been witnessed in the midst of the difficulties and the troubles that came your way and which through grace you were enabled to overcome. And as we go through these things, we go through them because we love him whom we haven't seen. At the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. The difficulties that we go through, we go through willingly, and even, as it says here, we rejoice joyfully because of the goodness of Almighty God. Because of the fact that he is the one who is our gracious God and because of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, we love. Who's saying this? Peter. Peter once was horrified with how greatly he failed the one he had seen. You see, he had seen Jesus. He had walked with him, talked with him, listened to him, witnessed him, curing the sick, raising the dead, healing those who were in difficulty and doing all of that and never doing anything that was wrong. He had been so convinced that he would never fail his master that he said, though all men forsake thee, yet will not I. And the Lord told him, yes, you will. And he had seen him. And now Peter's writing to those who have never seen Jesus. And he's saying the value of your faith will be proved. Not in what you've seen of him. But in the fact that though having not seen him, you love him. And you're faithful to him. And you will continue such. Despite all that comes your way. You see... Our faith is focused upon Christ and upon the day when he whom we have not seen, we shall see and we shall be with him forevermore. And we love him now, though we have never seen him. But oh my friend, what will it be like on that great day when we see him? And we are with him forevermore. That's why the believer 
seeks to walk in the midst of trial and tribulation and to rejoice in the midst of such things because of the faith they have in the one who is glorious and they look to the day when they will see him and even now they rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's not easy to rejoice in tribulation. In fact, it's impossible if we try to do it in the strength of the flesh. It is only through faith, which is in Jesus Christ, that we are able to be, as Peter here pictures, the believer in the midst of trouble and trial and difficulty. And why is he saying this to them? Because he knew persecution was coming. He knew tribulation would be their lot. And he wanted them to realize that even through that, they could rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Well, I pray that any trials you are going through may, in God's grace, swiftly reach their end and purpose and that you may see them concluded but that whatever he takes you through that you will not just look at how you can get out of them but what God intends you to get out of them as you go through those trials and tribulations may the Lord bless these thoughts to us let us pray almighty and gracious God how grateful we are to thee That in such a day of difficulty, in such a day of trouble and trial, we can rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Because our Saviour has gone that way before us. And though in the world we have tribulation, Difficulties which seem crushing and difficult to face. Yet he has overcome the world. So may our eyes ever be upon him. For though we have not seen him with the eye of flesh, may the eye of faith so behold him that we can rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Remember any who are going through difficulties at this time, we pray particularly for the sick and the sorrowing and those, O Lord, in the congregation who are passing through deep waters. May they know that the waters shall not submerge them, that the fires shall not light upon them, but that they shall come through them and glorify Christ. Hear us, O Lord, we pray. Remember also the work of the congregation here in West Hill. We pray for the elders, for the deacon, for the members and for the adherents. That there would be a unity of spirit. That there would be a joy and rejoicing in the midst of all that they do. That their love, O Lord, for thee and for one another would increase and abound more and more. And especially as we see that day of Christ approaching, may we walk faithfully and fruitfully.
for thy glory we pray. In Jesus' name, praying pardon for every sin. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to sing our final psalm of praise from Psalm number 30. And we're going to sing together from verse number 1. Psalm 30. And singing together from the beginning of the psalm, the verses 1 through to 5, five stanzas. The Lord, I will be extolled, for thou hast lifted me on high and over me. Thou to rejoice mayst not my enemy. O thou who art the Lord my God, I in distress to thee with loud cries lifted up my voice, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, my soul thou hast brought up and rescued from the grave, that I to pit should not go down, alive thou didst me save. O ye that are his holy ones, sing praise unto the Lord, and give unto him thanks when ye his holiness record. For but a moment lasts his wrath, life in his favour lies, weeping may for a night endure, at morn doth joy arise. Psalm 30, the verses 1 to 5, to God's praise. Lord, I will be extolled for
just a couple of informations. The first is that the services on the Lord's Day will be at the usual times of 11 and 6.30. The preacher is expected to be the Reverend William McLeod. Please remember him in your prayers because uh, although he was up at the uh, committees uh, just at uh, on Tuesday, he also had uh, work to do with regards to taking the funeral or at least the uh, burial of Walter Wright, someone known to those of you who have perhaps been in the denomination longer. You remember him, he was an elder down in the Paisley congregation. Well, he passed away in Aberdeen recently and uh, when I phoned Mr. McLeod and asked him to do the burial, he was very kind uh, and willing to do so, but it meant that he's down there doing that after having been here on the Tuesday and then going back up and then of course you know he's due to go away uh, internationally to be preaching uh, not too far distant future so remember him in your prayers and his wife Marion as they are busy for the Lord he may be retired but he's not without many calls upon his time so please remember him also there will be a meeting of the presbytery in the Bewley church on Tuesday at 7.30 to deal with the recent decision to call the Reverend Greg MacDonald as their minister. So all these things subject to the will of Almighty God. Let us close with a benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit rest upon and remain with you and all who love our Lord Jesus sincerely and in truth. Amen. Amen.